I'm so excited. It's October. Uh, how many of you just love fall? I love fall. How many of you have had so many pumpkin spice lattes you can't even count them? Pastor Ariel and Trinity. I guess it's a, I just, I just only two. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I may have had one. I've had the, the pumpkin cold brew at Starbucks. It's, it's fire. It is fire. It is pretty good. All that stuff. We start a series tonight that I'm very excited about that came straight from the heart. Uh, I've been enjoying writing this. But it's October, and October is really known for one thing, and that's Halloween. Halloween. It's candy. October is known for pumpkin spice lattes and Reese's Cups. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's really all that it's known for. And pumpkins. Pumpkins, everything. Fright Fest. Yeah, you're like, October gives us Fright Fest. Um, Have you ever, has anyone ever been to a Broadway show? I've been to a Broadway show. How many of you love musicals? Ah, yeah, this is my people. This is my people. How many of you can't stand musicals? All right, that's fine, that's fine. That's fine, that's fine. <laughs> Who was it? Was it Val? Where's Val? Where is he? She's like, oh, she watched out. Oh, I was in a meeting with Val. She's like, I just, like, hate that they sing. Like, why are you singing? <laughs> like, because it's a musical. It's a musical. Well, listen, I love musicals. I love going to Broadway. I'll, listen, if you are in a musical at your high school, I will go. I will go. I would love to sing along because high schools be doing the same musicals over and over and over again. Hello, Dolly. You know, all that stuff. It's the same ones, right? Oklahoma, right? But I love the theater. It used to be a passion of mine. Uh, one of my all-time favorite musicals. Um, who can guess? Mary Poppins? No, not Mary Poppins. What? High School Musical? Close second. Close second. What'd you say? West High Story? That's like, that's top five. In the Heights. Oh, that's such a good one. How do you pick? My all-time favorite is a tie between Les Mis, Les Miserables, and The Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera is one of my favorite. Let me give you a rundown of The Phantom real quick, because it's one of my favorite, and it's going to introduce tonight's, or this month's series, and tonight's message. But um, if you've never seen it, it's based off a 1910 novel by Gaston Leroux. The Phantom of the Opera tells the story of a disfigured, I love that it says disfigured. That's actually crazy. That's mean. That's mean. A disfigured musical genius who essentially was raised in the Paris Opera House and haunts the Paris Opera House by manipulating the management to cast certain actors and do certain songs. The Phantom would compose and write these operas and the staff would perform it. One day, a ballerina named Christine steps into the light, and the staff honestly let her and brought her into this moment. It was really awesome. But she auditions for this lead role, mesmerized by her talents and beauty of the young soprano, Christine Daillet. The phantom lures her as his protege and falls fiercely in love with her. I'm not going to spoil the rest of it for you because it is amazing. But there's a part of this musical that I absolutely love. There's a part of this musical that I absolutely love. Um, So I don't want to spoil it, but um, this song that I'm about to play for you, I'm going to play you a clip. 
and this might pique your interest, but this clip is called Masquerade. It is one of my favorite parts of this whole movie. Don't ruin it for me again. So let's play this snippet. Here we go. Yeah. Yo, yo. Anyone that can do that little solo that that guy did, I'll give you $10. I'll give you $10. Rewatch it. Come back next week with a mask. Masquerade. How many of you thought like some of those masks look really cool? I did. I, a dream of mine is to do like, to go to a, a pop-up masquerade like on New Year's. You know, me and Pastor Ariel just all fancied out. But let me, let me show you the lyrics for a second or just tell you the lyrics for what they were saying in, in, in one part. It says this, paper faces on parade, masquerade. Hide your face so the world will never find you. Those are the lyrics to parts of that song. In psychology, there's a term called masking, called masking. It's a term used in psychology that is described as the process in which an individual camouflages their natural personality or behavior to conform to social pressures, abuse, or harassment. You and I, whether we see it or not, are part of the world's masquerade. As you saw in that video, there's, you know, all these dancers. It's like 100 plus people in this beautiful ballroom area of the opera house. And they're all wearing what? Masks. They are all wearing masks. It is a masquerade. Throughout our lives, at one point or another, we become owners of several masks. At one point or another, you and I will become an owner of a mask or more. Maybe, maybe we feel like we need to wear a mask to get ahead. Maybe masks we wear because the reality is we don't know who we are. So we wear this mask, right? Being a teenager in today's world, like, is way harder than it was for me. I'm just going to be real. I think you guys have it worse, all right? That might be millennials' fault, but I, we're going to see down the line, right? But you have so many voices telling you who you should be. And so you wear that mask. My heart for you in this series is that you understand who you really are is only found in revealing the true identity of who Jesus really is. We're going to get rid of the masks and live in the freedom that is only found in the true identity of Jesus the Christ. So tonight's, or this series is called Mask. And tonight's part one, <laughs> part one is called Welcome to the Masquerade. The Masquerade. I'm going to run through this. I'm going to run through this. Because we took time to pray for Pastor Ishmael, and that was way more important. But this is God's word, and, and this is also really, really important. But I want to honor your time. So I need you to roll with me. Say, I'm rolling. I'm wrong with you. So turn to your Bibles. Turn to Matthew 16. Quick, 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 quick. If you got a real Bible, throw it up in the air like you just do care. Yeah, that's what I like to see. If you don't have a real, if you have a real Bible and you see someone that does not have a real Bible, give them a dirty look right now. Just, just roll your eyes at them. That's crazy. Don't do that. That's really mean. That's really mean. What if they don't have one? If you don't have a Bible, I will give you a Bible. I will give you a Bible. 
I will give you a Bible. I will give you a Bible. Matthew 16, verse 13 through 18. If you got to say, uh-huh. If you're ready, say, oh, yeah. Go ahead and stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. This, we stand up because that means something important is happening. That's why we stand. It's not like there's something mystical about it. But I got my Bible here, but I like, I like the translation that I've got on the screen. Go ahead and show us the next slide. Here's the verse. Here we go. Matthew 16, 13 through 18 in the message version says, When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, the boys, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he is John the baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He pressed them. That's crazy. Like, he pressed them. Like, okay, well, then here's what's up. He says, and how about you? Who do you say I am? That's underlined for a reason. That means you should probably pay attention to this. Simon Peter, it's always Peter. It's always Peter opening up his mouth. This guy is, is always on, like, Red Bulls. Uh, he says, Simon Peter said, you're the Christ. He even used the right your. That's amazing. The Messiah. Say the Messiah. The son of the living God. Okay. Jesus came back and said this. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you, oh, look, something's underlined, who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Keep it out. That is the word of the Lord. Lord, we love you, and we're so thankful for you. Speak to us tonight, God, so that we can be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, go ahead, find your seat. Go ahead, find your seat. Go ahead, find your seat. 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 Who do they say I am? This is an interesting question. In Matthew, in this moment, we see something interesting happening. Jesus asked his boys, essentially, what are people saying about me? Right? That could be a sketchy question, you know what I'm saying? Because if you don't want to know the truth about what people are saying about you, right, you don't want to ask that. Right? Like sometimes, like if I ask people what they thought about me, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're going to say. You are like the worst pastor ever, right? Fight me, I don't care. They answer him with, with this. They say you're John the Baptist, which is weird because Jesus and John the Baptist literally lived at the same time, right? Because they'd be cousins. If you didn't know that, they were cousins. There's a whole story about them like flipping in each other's like, well, not each other's, but in their own mama's stomach. It's crazy. I'm like making it sound weirder than it is. I mean, it is weird. But John the Baptist and Jesus lived at the same time, so that doesn't make any sense, right? But some people say he's John the Baptist, right? Uh, they also say that he's Elijah, 
right? Or Jeremiah, right? So the tendency in, the, in these answers is really to underestimate Jesus, to give him a measure of respect and honor, but really they're falling short of honoring him for who he really is. Have you ever really asked yourself that question? Who am I? I remember, I remember my freshman year of high school asking myself that question in the mirror. Um, you may not be as dramatic as I was because I was a theater geek, but I remember standing in the mirror and asking, who are you? Who, I was going through a really bad breakup my freshman year with a girl from church. Crazy, right? Always, always the church girls. And I looked in the mirror, and after what I felt like she destroyed me, she destroyed me emotionally, and in return, I ruined her life. It was just a toxic relationship. It's probably why high schoolers shouldn't date, whatever. And I kind of lost who I was. I remember my older brother and one of my really close friends, we were hanging out at his house. And they had a laptop, and they flipped it around, and they showed me a picture of, of, of myself before I started dating this girl. We dated for like a year. And, and I won't ever forget this, but they, they looked at me, and they asked me the question of, of do you remember this guy? And, and who is this guy? And I went home that night feeling the weight of that question. Because I put my identity and I put this mask on of so-and-so's boyfriend, of so-and-so's whatever, that now that that was gone and that mask was stripped from me, I didn't know who I really was. So I asked myself that question. Maybe you, you, you've already asked yourself that question or need to ask yourself that question. Who, who am I? Who do people think I am? You ever asked that question? Like, I wonder what people think about me, right? That's a brave question, we said, because you never know what people might say, right? But this seems odd just because these men traveling with Jesus, right, these disciples, they've been traveling with Jesus for, for some time now, which tells us this, which tells us this when they ask him that question. You can be around Jesus and not know him. You can be around Jesus and not know him. It's one of, yeah, perfect. You can be around Jesus and not know Jesus. You know what that looks like here on a Thursday? It means that you come on Thursdays and, and you, have great, you have a great time. You, you know, you're awesome, but you leave the same because you don't encounter Jesus. And you don't know who he really is. And so, yes, you can be around Jesus and not know him. So why is knowing the true identity of Jesus so important? Because when we know who he is, he can tell us who we are. But it all starts with this question Jesus is presenting. Who do they say that I am? Who do you say I am? And I want to break down what they said, because they called him John the Baptist. They called him Elijah. They called him Jeremiah and some of the other prophets. And so what does that look like is it brings us what the world's perception of Jesus is. What you and I, if we don't know the true identity of Jesus, which we finna get to quickly, but some of us only know Jesus as these three things. Go ahead, throw them up there. 
we know Jesus as a radical person, as a mystical person, or a political person. And so if we don't really know the true identity of Jesus, the world has shaped our opinion or our, our, our understanding of who Jesus is. Let me break down, leave this up there. Let me break this down. When we see the word radical, Jesus was, uh, they, they, they expected Jesus to be this herald of national repentance, meaning Jesus was going to get on a mic and call people to repentance, kind of like John the Baptist. That's what John the Baptist was doing. He lived in the wilderness, and he would cry out, like preparing the way of the Lord, and he was crazy, and he was really radical. He would eat honey and locusts and wear camel skin and had dreads, and he was just crazy, right? Like this guy was nuts. He was radical. And we can see how, uh, we can see this as how our country has made Jesus really this radical public figure, right? Some people use Jesus to like rebuke the nation, right? A radical Jesus. Some people, if we don't know Jesus, think he's very mystical, right? And so Jesus, right, some of us think that he's just this miracle worker. He's just this guy that has superpowers. If he were alive today, he would be an Avenger. Like, that's just kind of like Jesus, right? Kind of like what they thought of Elijah, so they say he was John the Baptist. Now they're saying Elijah. So Elijah did some crazy stuff. If you don't know Elijah, you need to do some research. You need to read the Bible because that he was that was crazy. He had some powers. It was amazing. So in today's time, some only see Jesus as a magician or someone who is mystical, right? Not a savior or a teacher, just someone of folklore. Bedtime story, Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, did all this work then, but not now. We just think Jesus is kind of like this fairy tale, something that we read, someone that we read in a book about that did all this cool stuff, but it has no importance today. And this is, this is very popular, this next one. Some of us see Jesus as this political figure. I saw this on, on an Instagram reel of a pastor saying this, and I agree with it wholly, wholeheartedly. As he said, as a pastor, I don't lean left. As a pastor, I don't lean right. I stand. I stand on the word of God. And what he calls sin, I call sin. And what he says is good, I say is good. And so we see Jesus, like, I wonder, people will ask, I wonder if Jesus was alive today, if he'd be a Democrat or Republican. No, he'd be of the people. He would be about his father's work. He didn't have time to be, you know, nowhere in scripture, there's moments where Jesus has views on politics when he says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. He's like, pay your taxes. Do the right thing, pay the taxes. Tax evasion, jail. Murdering, jail. Jaywalking, straight to jail. Right? Like, right? <laughs> I love that video. Right? Like Jesus, Jesus wasn't like anti-government. He's like, listen, if it's tax season, it's tax season. Give Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? But we have somehow, not we, but people have somehow made him into this political figure to manipulate people and to advance their agenda. What Jesus has to do with gun control, I don't know. What Jesus has to do with A, B, and C of what people are, are trying to use him for, I don't know. Do you want to know what I know Jesus is about? Jesus is about his people, about loving the sinner, about saving the sinner, about being around sinners. That's what I know Jesus to be. But somehow, really, they made Jesus famous 
for being political. They wanted Jesus to reform. They wanted Jesus to be a warrior against Rome. They're like, Jesus, we need you to be political. We need you to save us from Rome and the oppression and free us. And he's like, I'm here to free you from something that, like, no one else can free you from. You want me to be political? How about that? I'll be the king. And I'll save my people. Right? So they think that Jesus is someone that was going to use their platform to promote or educate or cancel. He's already canceled sin. And that's all I really care about, right? So Peter responds to the final question with this. Peter knew the opinion of the crowd. While it was complimentary towards Jesus, they're kind of like saying, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're like, we're name dropping these people because they're like you. It was complimentary, but it wasn't accurate. Jesus was much more than John the Baptist or Elijah or a prophet. He was more than a national reformer, more than a miracle worker, more than a prophet. Jesus, listen to this. This is the true identity of Jesus. If you don't know, if you didn't know it, it's going to be, it's going to blow your mind. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. So what does that word Messiah mean? In five minutes, I'm going to have to do this. So it's going to be helpful that one of my homies hit me up. Yeah. I, I had a moment where I was like, Messiah, I need, I need a little bit more info. Why go to Google when you can text Pastor Vocab? So Pastor Vocab, help me out. If you don't know who Pastor Vocab is, he's like our best friend. So here we go. Uh, so here's a text message uh, thread that me and Pastor Vocab had. Go ahead and throw it up there. I said, hey, yo. He said, bro, he hadn't heard from me in a little bit. So you know, it is what it is. He goes, what's your question? By the way, I woke him up at 9 a.m. for this. So it was crazy. I said, Pastor Vocab, hey, yo, I right, listen. Messiah. He goes this. I love that he was just ready. He goes, the Messiah, the word Messiah, comes from the Hebrew Aramaic word Mashiach, meaning anointed one or chosen one. I was like, ooh. I said, like Harry Potter or Neo from the Matrix. And then he was like, I mean, yeah and no, don't be weird. I was like, okay, rule number one, right? Don't be weird. Then he says, John explains the meaning of the word, and then he drops some scripture for me, which I was like really appreciative of, by translating it as Christos, the Greek term for one who has been anointed. I was like, okay, Pastor Volker, put your knowledge. Next, next text. I said, okay, okay, I'm following. He says this. The earliest prophecy about the Messiah is in Genesis 3.15. I said, it, it is believed that the one who will crush the serpent's, Satan's head, is the Messiah. I said, like, Genesis? Like the first book? That's crazy! I couldn't believe it. So I went, and I flipped to my Bible. I was like, boom. It was right there. Shout out to Genesis. Shout out to Genesis. Man, quick. Shout out to Genesis. Shout out to Hector's wife. All right. I know... He goes, I know, to think that Jesus was, all, Jesus was already prophesied at the beginning is crazy. This part blew my mind when he texted me this. He fulfilled more than 324 individual prophecies that related to the Messiah. 
mathematician Peter Stoner applies the modern science of probability to just eight. Everybody say eight. So just eight of these prophecies. This led him to conclude that the chance of the prophesied Messiah fulfilling all eight, meaning just eight, is one in, who knows that number? All right, we'll see, we'll see. I said, I said, bruh, only Jonathan Aliotto knows that number uh, because it's true. He literally would be able to tell us right now. So he goes, don't be dumb. Rule number two, I guess, right? 100 quadrillion. If I had 100 quadrillion dollars, I would buy earth, right? I would just buy everything. I am now Emperor Pastor Izzy, right? Right, no. I said, that's crazy, crazy. I'm going to pass out. So many zeros. So I said this. So I read in the Bible, there are plenty of moments where Jesus was referred to as the Messiah. So why do we say Jesus Christ? Valid question. Valid question. He goes, when we as Christians call him Jesus Christ, we're really saying Jesus the Messiah or Jesus the Anointed One. Christ is not his last name. If y'all didn't know that, not his last name. Christ is his title. Come on, somebody. Meaning, he was sent by God, divinely appointed to be the deliverer and king of his people. I said, so more like Jesus the Christ. He said, exactly. Jesus isn't just a man with powers. He isn't a man who got really lucky in fulfilling prophecies. No, Jesus is literally the son of God. So when Peter calls him the Messiah, I said, he goes, Jesus doesn't deny it. He doesn't deny it. He's like, no, Peter, that's not me. He says, he blesses Simon, now called Peter. We're going to, ooh, we're going to get to that. What would you say to excel on why knowing this is important? So now he, he wanted to talk to y'all. He said, students, knowing Jesus as the Messiah is foundational to your faith. To know Jesus as the chosen one, anointed son, and deliverer means you understand that you needed saving. He says, Jesus came to save you. It got me. So I said, we needed someone to deliver us from sin. Jesus came as the Messiah to do just that. He said, exactly. When we understand and believe in who Jesus really is, he then in return, will tell us who we really are. That's really good. What's the next one? Oh, one last thing. Register for Momentum or Doe. We finna have fun. You'll be at home doing homework or laundry, but sign up right now. See you there, Pastor Vocab. All right. That's Pastor Vocab. Pastor Vocab might be at Momentum. Pastor Vocab finna be at Momentum. <laughs> thank you. Everybody say thank you, Pastor Vocab. So what did we learn here quickly? What did we learn? Uh, Emily, go ahead on. Where's Emily? Emily? Emily Waterman. So what did we learn is this. The true identity of Jesus isn't radical, isn't just radical, mystical. It's this. It's that he's the son of God. It's that he's the son of God. He's the Messiah. Jesus then looks at Peter. 
But he, he calls him Peter, but that's not who he addressed. That is not who uh, he was addressed to earlier, right before they called him Simon. They called him Simon, son of Barjona, son of Jonah, Simon. So Jesus calls him by a different name. This was not only in recognition of Peter's more Roman name, a Roman-type name. It was also a promise of God's work in Peter. The name Peter means what? Say it again. It means rock. So before Dwayne Johnson, we had Peter cutting ears off of everything. What Peter didn't know just yet was that God was going to transform his naturally extreme character into something solid and reliable. What Jesus does is Jesus takes off the mask and reveals his true identity, Peter's true identity. Can you go back to that last slide of the verse where it says, now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are? And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. Leave that up there for me. Some of you tonight need divine revelation on who Jesus is. This series, I'm so, I'm passionate about, I believe, I'm passionate about every series, but I believe God spoke to me specifically on this series we're going to uncover the masks that you and I wear. The mask, the mask of I'm fine. Oh, I've got that one. The mask of I'm okay. I'm fine. When you're not, we wear masks. In this series, I, I believe with all my heart that there are those of you that when you seek the identity of Jesus in this series, that you'll never have to put a mask on again. Because as you see what happens to Peter, is when he got divine revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus then revealed who he really was. And some of you need the answer to that question because I remember when I was in a metal band, we wrote a song, and the lyrics that came from me that I wrote, it was this. It was that you've worn so many masks that you forgot what your skin looks like. And some of you are there. You've worn the mask of peer pressure. You've worn the mask of the good sibling. Maybe you've worn the mask of the middle child. You've worn the mask. You've worn the mask and mask after mask after mask. And now you forgot who you really are. You forgot who God created you to be. You forgot what your skin looks like. What God designed 
And in this series, this might scare you and it might be a little intimidating because you're like, Pastor Izzy, kind of like what you said earlier, if those masks are gone, I don't, I'm afraid of what I'm going to find. Pastor Izzy, if I take this mask off, it's going to be ugly. I'm ugly. That's why I wear a mask. When God has called you beautiful, when God has called you perfect, when God has called you clean. Pastor Izzy, if I get this mask taken off, I'm not sure who's going to show up. This series called Masks, I truly believe God wants to release you from the peer pressures. God wants to release you from being defined by the world. That's the essence of this series, is that the world is telling us what we should look like even as a Christian. When this right here tells us exactly who we are. In the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, the book of John, verse 1. This is how we find out who we really are. Those masks can only come off and stay off and stay off when we encounter the real Jesus, not the political Jesus, not the magical Jesus, not the platform cancel culture Jesus, Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah. I'm going to do this quickly. Some of you haven't even started that relationship with Jesus to even know him. What do I mean by that? You're not a Christian. And there's so many directions I can go with this tonight. But I feel in my heart that, listen, if you really want to know who God is calling you to be, you don't need to know all the theology. You don't need to know all these things in this moment. You're like, I'm just not, re- I'm not where I need to be. Listen, if you're sick, you go to the hospital. Right? Uh, like, we don't, we don't get better to go to the hospital. We go when we're sick. That's kind of like what church is. Jesus, the relationship with Jesus isn't, hey, you need to take off all those masks in order to be with me. You need to be perfect. You need to be primed. You need to be popular. You need to do all these things, and then you can be a follower of Jesus. Then you can follow me. Then I'll help you. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, lived a perfect life. Three years of ministry. And at 33 years old, one of his best friends who never took off the mask betrayed his best friend. Judas never took off his mask. And we'll get to him in a bit. But Jesus died. Willingly. Jesus died knowing that you would wear masks. Jesus died knowing that the sin that you are involved in in your life, the things you know that are not good, Jesus knew that you would try to cover those things up with a mask. He said, I'm going to die anyway. I'm going to give my life as a sacrifice for that person so that if they wanted to, the option, it will be there for them to live maskless for the rest of their life. And you're saying, Pastor Izzy, how do I, how do I get there? How do I get to that opportunity? It's simple. Romans 10, 9. 
It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died and rose again, you will be saved. You will be saved. And so there's some moments where I say, repeat after me to help you along that journey in confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But tonight, I want God to work on your heart. Some of you need to go home tonight and in your room, you need to pray. What can you pray? If you don't know who Jesus is, if you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, what does that look like? It looks like you going into your room tonight, sitting on your bed just like this, or in your chair or your couch, and it's saying this. Hey, Jesus, it's, uh, it's me. And Pastor Izzy's right. I've worn a lot of masks. And I'm afraid if I keep doing this, I'll, I'll lose myself. And I don't know a lot about being a Christian. I don't know a lot about going to church. I just go because my cousin goes or whatever, Lord. But after hearing tonight, I think I want to follow you. And so um, I believe. I believe. I believe in you. And I don't have all the answers, but I'll start here. I believe that you died for me. I, I, I don't know why fully yet, but I believe you died for me, like Pastor Izzy said. And I believe that you were resurrected because I felt something tonight. I felt something in my heart tonight. I don't know. I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but I felt like I needed to do this. And so I believe. Help me believe more. Amen. That's it. I didn't quote 324 prophecies. I didn't sing eight songs. I just believed. And so tonight, if you are not a believer, and it's okay to not have all the answers. I don't. I don't. That's why I text Pastor Vocab. But maybe you say tonight, I don't want to wait till I get home. I feel like I should do this now. Can I just get the XL Plus leaders to line up behind me? Just some of the XL Plus leaders. Because we're going to end here. We're going to end here. Because here's what's going to happen. No one told Peter what to say. No one forced Peter to do this. No one forced the disciples to follow Jesus. They made that personal commitment. Some of you, I know for a fact that as I was sitting there, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. And you're saying, I don't think I should wait till I get home. I think I should do it now. I just don't know how. These people right here want to pray with you and they want to walk you through that. And there's nothing to be embarrassed about because every single one of these leaders have been in your seat and had the same conversation and their lives are so much better for it. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Emily's going to play for a little bit. I'm going to pray. I'm going to say amen. And you're dismissed. But those of you 
that I know that are in this room. I know it. I know it. I know you're here. I, I, I see you. I know you need to have a conversation with one of these leaders on what it means to follow Jesus for the first time. So when I pray, I say amen. I'm going to say I'll see you guys next week. You're signed up for Momentum, and you guys are good to go. But they're here to help you follow Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you've been here for a long time, but have never really had that revelation of who Jesus is. You can start taking masks off tonight. You don't have to wait till next week. You could do it tonight. So let me pray. Lord, I know, I know for a fact, I feel it in my spirit, that there are people here that need to follow you that need to take off the mask, that that need to be saved. And it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Lord, help their unbelief. Help those who have been coming and have been on the line of whether or not they're going to follow you or not. I pray tonight they would make that decision, that they would believe. And I know for a fact that there's voices in their head now telling them why they shouldn't go and talk to a leader. Why they think they're okay. They may have a hundred reasons why they shouldn't come and do this. But Lord, you just need one reason. That is because you love them. You want them to come and talk to a leader because you love them. You love them with all of your heart that that out of all of creation, of heaven and earth, Lord, you love us, your people, more than anything. And you love them enough to send your son not to die, not just to die, but to live for them. So tonight, God, silence the voices that are telling them that they're not good enough, that they need to understand all the reasons why they shouldn't come and talk to a leader. Lord, we silence those Soften their hearts. Help them be obedient to the call of your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for this word. And we look forward to what more you have to reveal to us. Thank you for Jesus, who is the Messiah. In his holy name, we say, hey, come on, say it one more time. Amen, amen.